these people are finding love, all right? There's one way out of this, and it is with love. <laughs> and, and, like, none of this other stuff. There's no producers. This is organic. Welcome to Here to Make Friends, a HuffPost podcast about The Bachelor franchise, where we lovingly snark on The Bachelor and Bachelor-adjacent shows. Whether you love The Bachelor or love to hate it, we're here to break down every single delicious moment with you. I'm Emma Gray. And I'm Claire Fallon. So Claire and I have a pretty useless and exhaustive knowledge of The Bachelor franchise. Yeah, our whole reason for living is basically to just know a lot of stuff, a lot of trivia about this franchise that will never serve us in any, you know, meaningful context. But one gap that we really found we have is that we haven't actually dug into the data that surrounds this show. We're not really the math kids of this world. Yeah, and this is like the era of data journalism. So we decided to do the obvious thing, which is bring in the experts from our friends at 538 to to tell us all about what really is going on beneath, you know, the journey and the kisses and the roses. What does the data say? So earlier this week, you recorded an interview with Walt Hickey and Ella Cousy, and we think you're really going to enjoy it. We're joined today by Walt Hickey, chief culture writer, and Ella Cousy, visual journalist, both at 538, uh, who did a a bit of deep data diving. A lot of bit of data (laughs) diving. Into the world of The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. So thanks so much for joining us. Our pleasure. Thank you for having us. Uh, We are just so excited (laughs) to have people who might have more useless information about this franchise than we do. What do you mean? (laughs) Very useful, I mean. I mean, extremely useful into all of our uh, day-to-day lives. I mean, I do want to know if I can, like, win a bunch of money in Bachelor Fantasy based on your insights. So we'll get to that. Is there a lot of money in Bachelor Fantasy? (laughs) There can be if you choose the right league. Um, I'm not in one right now, but that could change, you know. Uh, So tell, tell us a little bit about your process on how you went about mining The Bachelor for insight? Yeah, so to start with, it was, you know, there aren't a lot of TV shows that, like, are also great data sets, and that's kind of the thing that we do at 538 is, like, look for data sets, which is so fun. I'm sure everyone (laughs) agrees. But um, I'm a fan, and so I went to Walt, and I was like, Walt, we should do something with this show. And he was like, great, like, I'll get into it. Like, I'll get back to you. And then um, <laughs> we turns out the Bachelor, Bachelorette wikis are pretty robust. And so we did some scraping. And then, but there are some big gaps in there. And to fill out those gaps, um, we actually had help from our friends at ABC, who are were all kind of part of like the Disney family of companies. And so they um, had like some people watching episodes and then they sent us like back seasons and then we like broke it up and like watched seasons to like track the things that we needed to track that weren't in the wikis. Um, it's and- like an archaeological dig site. They sent us like <laughs> seasons like there was no record of what happened in the Bachelor season three anywhere on the Internet until today. Oh yeah. my god. That is amazing. Which has not yet been posted on yeah. our GitHub page but will be DVD. for those who are just really excited by that idea. Yeah. Um, like excited. us. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then – yeah, and then once we had it, Walt really did his thing. He can talk about his his 
mysterious methods. Locked for... the door, lost the key, worked in Excel for months. <laughs> yeah, uh, we were able to, like, again, it was a, a real big team effort. Like, uh, there's a ton of secret Bachelor and Bachelorette fans on any website staff, I've decided, because people just started coming out of the woodwork the minute that we were like, hey, I think that we might do something on The Bachelor or Bachelorette this time. Um, so it was a whole team effort. We really just cracked down and analyzed all these seasons, basically inventorying who got roses when, what kind of rose were they, uh, how did they get eliminated, did they ever come back. So, so we viewed it basically like aliens viewing an experiment of just like, no, these people are finding love, all right? There's one way out of this, and it is with love. <laughs> and, and, like, none of this other stuff. There's no producers. This is organic. And that's how we viewed it. And, and we were able to come up with a couple of statistics over the course of it. That is so fascinating. Um, and you, you touched on this a little bit, but, like, why The Bachelor The Bachelorette? Yes, it provides maybe a, a good data set, but why do you think it's even interesting to dig into this stuff? I think it's – well – I'm constantly fascinated by it because it's so formulaic and yet so shocking every time. <laughs> you know, you're like, you know exactly what's going to happen episode to episode, but you're still like, who are they going to choose? Who is Rachel going home with? And so, you know, trying to get at the, like, details of the formula, of the way the show is constructed and, like, the little ingredients that go in and, like, what kinds of things come out of that, not just, like, telling who could win, but also where do the drama points happen? What is the, like, recipe for Bachelor, Bachelorette stuff? That was what really fascinated me. I love the um, the Bachelor and the Bachelorette because they're phenomenal when it comes to audience. Like, uh, live TV, TV in general has seen declining audiences over time. It's very rare that you see a show – um, have absolute ratings go up and up season after season. In fact, so rare that I believe that, like, the most recent inventorying of this was that if you compare shows in, in 2015 to 2016, The Bachelor and The Bachelor are the only ones who actually like, gained audience year over year. So alone, that's phenomenal. How the hell are they doing this, right? Uh, I was not actually a fan of the franchise coming in. I was skeptical. I didn't believe it was a way to find love. But then I met Rachel. And, and now I've just – I got into it for the wrong reasons, for the clicks and for the attention. But now you're I just – I'm yeah. a believer. And now you're just in it for love, I bet. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Like it is so much like a sport. Like it has this very clear structure and you know how each – arc is going to progress, but you don't know it's what the final riveting. answer is. <laughs> yeah, you just want that one piece of information at the end, and but that's what you're holding out for. it's also about the journey, Claire. It is about Yeah, but you know, sports has arcs, too. Exactly, you know? yeah. Like I the think comeback they're maybe both and, about the journey. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting a new appreciation for all sorts of things <laughs> through this. So, what did you guys find as you went through the data about the way that the show kind of is structured and progresses? Yeah, well, apart from, like, the specific numbers that we polled, and I think Walt has at his fingertips and can get into a little bit more, I really, like, if you step back from the episode to episode, I got a real picture for the arc of a season. Like, those early dates and those early roses are so valuable. Like, you know they're valuable, but they are incredibly important. Like, Peter getting in on that first one-on-one sets him up for, like, a huge amount of success. Because he's got, like, this warm, fuzzy aura around him. And even if she doesn't check back in on him for, like, several weeks, you know, he's, like, in there. Same with, like, the first impression rose and Brian. All these things that you're, like, these are just gimmicks or, like, they feel significant but you can't really tell. Like, we really learned that that's, like, the main way to do well, 
you know, is to, like, get in early and, like, really make a good early impression. You can look at, like, there's basically kind of three parts of this game, right? There's the early game, there's the mid game, and there's the end game. You can say that with any kind of game. End game, we are pointless. <laughs> we, we are middle, and end. <laughs> we, we are pointless in the end game because that is just one person goes home every week barring something that goes very wrong or very right. And at that point, we can't help you, right? It's really the early game and the middle game where we can find some interesting material. And like you were saying, like, the... If you look at a rose or a one-on-one date as an indication of, of potential future success, what you'll find is that early one-on-ones have really substantial benefits. You can buy almost four weeks with a rose on an early one-on-one because that's a good sign that you can Whoa. stick around for a bit. Um, again, so the uh, you can average on expect about one additional week per contestant just because people will go longer, people will get eliminated that week. But if you look at like really early on in the season, not only do you have like a very strong percentage of not being eliminated on that date, like you, you don't go home uh, if you it's like six weeks before the final four or if you're on a one-on-one, really. It, it, they usually save that until like the week before the final four. Uh, you can actually just kind of see yourself playing out. You buy time with the roses and you buy time with the one-on-ones. Yeah, that's such an interesting also, way to look at it. Looking back on this season, put in perspective, like you could t- pick who the front winners were like basically in week two. Oh, yeah. Except for Eric is a real dark horse. He like came up really late and has like, you know, it gives me a lot more appreciation for Eric and his personality, not that I didn't already. But I'm like, man, you really did it. Like, you got in there and, like, made your impression, like, late in the game. Yeah, so. yeah. he really seemed to kind of buck the the trends where he was kind of an emotional wreck early on and wasn't getting attention or validation. And then he just, like, just turned the whole thing around through sheer force of will. He was like, no, I'm going to be the cool, chill guy that, like, she wants to Truly keep until yeah. Fantasy it's, Suite. You know what? Now his name is in our mouths, all right? Yeah. He succeeds. But in a good way. In a positive <laughs> yeah. way. Yeah. I think he would enjoy yeah. this yeah. form of his name in our, in our mouths. Exactly. Uh, it reminded me a little bit of Catherine's arc on Sean Lowe's season. So I think she also didn't have a one-on-one date until pretty late, Yeah, we right? didn't really know Catherine. And she ended up winning. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Catherine and Sean, but... Uh, Rachel's really just what I'm here for. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar feels the same way. Yeah. So, so you're in good company. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. Um, let's talk a little bit about the significance of the first impression, Rose. Yep. I want to hear your thoughts on that because, obviously, Brian got it this season, and he seems, from our perspective as people who've watched the show a bunch, to be like probably the front runner. Yeah, so the first impression rose is a fascinating instrument cuz like I really loved going back in time because like I I may not have come into it with the deep knowledge or watching the show a ton, but like you know like the roses and you know the how the different play-by-plays of how that works. And like back in time, like in the first second, like they were just like, "Oh, what's a rose? Why would we go give a rose on a date? That seems silly." Like like it's a like so all these like trappings that we had kind of grew over the course of time, and one of those is the first impression rose. And, and we found a couple interesting things. The first is there were a couple seasons where a lot of people got first impression roses, uh, where, where, like, they would just give out first impression roses to anybody uh, that kind of vaguely, you know, didn't make a horrible ass of themselves out of the car. <laughs> and, and those were not predictive in any way, shape, and form. It, it's really when we hammered it down and looked at what we're calling, like, the exclusive first impression rose, which is there were 23 of these given so far, 24 if you include this season. Uh, and we can look at these and actually see these are pretty solid, you know. Um, 
only about 48% of the time did we see people not make the final four. So it's a 50-50 shot, which is way better, obviously, than, like, any other shot that you'd have. It's, like, what, one in six you'd expect from the season making the final four, maybe even worse. Um, so about, like, 30, like, about two-thirds of, two of them, rather one-third of them are either the winner or the runner-up. Wow. And about 70% of them yeah. going to win. Then you yeah. got to be the Bachelor Bachelorette. So. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you're, you're really set good. up for some sort of success out of this franchise exactly. if yeah. you get that rose. And yeah. I think in Brian's case in particular, like, so in our pool, I have Brian going all the way. He's, like, the only one I have left. I did really poorly. <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of regret it now because I'm not, like, the biggest fan of Brian. But <laughs> he – I think that, like, his strong first impression – has carried him extremely far oh, without yeah. having to get, like, that much deeper into, like, their emotional journey. You know what I mean? Um, and so I think what's true on the, like, statistical broad math level that we, like, did with all of this is also true in this, like, very good case when it comes to Brian is that he – the charming ability to, like, really be comfortable on that first day and get that first impression rose will, like, account for a lot. Going down the line. You did this, like, research, like, last week. So, again, we're going to the Final Four. Uh, we, we decided to re-up a lot of our uh, the, the story that we'd done, and we wanted to look at who had gotten the most date time. So the idea is that if somebody was on a three-on-one, we'd give them one-third point. If somebody was on one-on-one, we'd give them one point. And we'd add all that up to kind of see who's who's spending the most time on dates. And going into the Final Four, like, Dean and Peter were tied for 2.5. Right, so they had done the equivalent of two and a half dates with Rachel over the course of it. Brian just a hair lower than that. So you look now; they've had three and a half dates basically for these folks. So there's not a lot to really work from. Like they haven't spent a ton of time with each other. So coming off that strong, coming off that interested, coming off that charming, is a huge deal. It seems, at least yeah. in Rachel's case. It's, I mean, we saw this with Jordan uh, last season too. That just like, yeah, you come on strong, and then you can't see that Ella just made a face. <laughs> she has feelings about this. I really do. We can get into that. It's like we can get into your feelings. This is a place for feelings, not just data. But so. Thank you. Thank you, you. You see this with Brian too. That like, eventually, the Bachelorette is sort of like trying to pull something out of this person to justify how she feels connected to them. She's like, I felt yeah. it on the first day. Give me some reason to feel like I should still keep you around. Like, she's already invested because that first day she was like, this is the guy. Well, I think – and when you hear um, leads who are no longer on their contract kind of reflect back on their experiences, most of them say, first night, I knew my final four. A lot of them even, like, told the producers, these are going to be my four and often do not waver from that. So, like – I mean, which which makes sense when you think about if you were just put in a room of 25 people that you could date. Like, you probably just don't feel it with most of them. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting to see how that plays out then in those, like, initial choices. Yeah. That must be kind of, like— sad though to be like this is my chance to date like 30 guys and find the perfect one you then get in the room and you're like 26 of these guys do nothing for me so I guess I'm choosing from four guys I mean those are probably still like better odds than like the total number of people you would date in the world versus the number of available people right, totally. so you're like doing slightly better yeah that's a fair point and you yeah. didn't have to do the work of finding those people that's like yeah. the real yeah. appeal I think exactly exactly <laughs> but like seeing how strong of a predictor the first impression Rose was how did this make you guys feel about love at first sight are you believers now <laughs> <laughs> yeah honestly I mean like it's 
people know what they're attracted to. People know what they're into. Um, uh, it's not super shocking that you say that they kind of had the idea that they had, no, like there are four people that I kind of have a good idea of what I'm going to. And I think in Rachel's season, you can actually kind of see this a bunch because she's being... Uh, so, again, we looked at also how everybody got eliminated, right? And over time, we generally found that, like, something like 70 80% of people were eliminated at rose ceremonies, right? Many of them at the first rose ceremony. That's always a bloodbath. But, like, most <laughs> of these people go down at rose ceremonies by far. In Rachel's season, she's been, like, super tactical. She, she's been way more in favor of date eliminations that, than really previous folks have. She's – what? She's had – I think we have written down here seven men eliminated on dates – one of the uh, yeah, one unscheduled high. elimination and 19 row ceremony eliminations. So like almost a third have been on dates, which is way more than we typically expect. It's only about eight percent in the history. So I think that like they're getting savvier. They, they are kind of seeing what they're attracted to do, and they, they don't. Nobody wants to come off as monstrous on air to, to do a group of interesting fellows, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I do think love at first sight is is possible. <laughs> I think you can get really close at first sight. That's what this has proven to me. You can yeah. get like ninety percent of the way. Yeah. So yeah, you're like, I know I'm into that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's trouble, and I like trouble. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Unless trouble is Fred, in which case I'm not fond of trouble. Uh, yeah, Fred wasn't uh, really for, trouble. Yeah. That was just a euphemism for uh, Fred. Uh, a euphemism for I'm not into this whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> please exit. Was there any data that you turned up that really surprised you? Oh, it's got to be two on ones, right? Oh, that was another one of my questions. So, yes, let's yeah. get into two-on-ones. <laughs> well, I wasn't as surprised okay. ha- being a watcher of the show, but mm-hmm. I think that it was, it was so, striking. So going into it, like, our notion was, and this is kind of bared out, kind of, we'll see. I mean, there's not a huge direct correlation. But either way, the more time that you spend with the person, the more time that you spend exclusively with the person, the fewer people that you have to spend with the Bachelor Bachelorette, the better off you are, right? So a three-on-one is better than a four-on-one, which is better than a ten-on-one, and so on. Two-on-ones, though, those are a bloodbath. So we looked at, like, the survival rates of going on a two-on-one versus— Has it changed over time? Yeah, okay. Because that would be my thesis. Nobody's won (laughs) in—we talked about this on Twitter, I think. Uh, Oh, yeah. There's only been three people who went on a two-on-one date who eventually won the competition, and all of those were more than 10 years ago. Which seasons did that happen? Ooh, I'll have to pull those up for you. And actually, I'm literally just going to search for that tweet. But I will have that by the end of this episode. Yes. I, I have no— We're but, trying to give the people the real I, down and dirty information. Yeah, because that predates, like, I started watching the show probably, like, six years ago. And so that predates, I think, when I would have— I've never seen a two-on-one contestant win the show. Yeah. I feel like I have seen the tenor of two-on-ones change, though. Like, when I first, first watched the show, often it was kind of, like, two throwaway guys— would go on the two-on-one, and now in the last couple years, it seems like they've moved it towards, like, rivalries. Right, whoever's having major beef. Yeah. Also, I think that the settings of the two-on-ones have gotten much more extreme. More people being left in, like, um, (laughs) climates that aren't ideal. (laughs) Exactly. Islands and forests. Basically, what we found is that, obviously, two-on-ones are, like, a 50-50 shot, basically. You go home. But then after that, what was—I don't remember the number off the top of my head. But, like, there 
half. So 95% of participants are gone within four weeks. Yeah, and it's which like is more insane. than half are gone the following week, right? More than half are gone on the on the date. Like sometimes they just get stranded in the snoring desert or something, you're telling me. <laughs> like, <laughs> but yeah. so a lot of times two-on-ones happens kind of later in the season. So does that affect – Maybe sure. their their survival rate post Vienna, Tessa, and Mary were the three survivors oh, of the two on one. Vienna, Vienna. Oh, so that's yeah. actually not. Oh, I guess that is a long time ago. But yeah. like, I remember, <laughs> I remember that season, even though I wasn't like an avid watcher of it. That yeah. was the first one I actually watched, like a random couple episodes. Well, and they were a great testimonial to how well things can turn right. out. Exactly. Just pick yeah, your they, two they on seem one. to be very functional. Those yeah. are all the bachelor. They're getting season six, season ten, season fourteen. So we haven't had that in, in years. Yeah. So, so I think that they tactically changed the way of what it is. Um, more people go home. Like you would expect a two on one to have a fifty percent elimination rate. More people go home and eliminate than you would expect. And then it just really it burns you. Like, like over time, I, like. Basically, what happened this year was, like, Kenny spent three weeks calling someone a snake and didn't get time to get in touch with Rachel, right? So, like, at a certain point, it's, like, a tactical disadvantage even called up on this kind of thing, it seems. Yeah. Right. Uh, I mean, it it does seem like usually they they use it to kind of get rid of people who are sort of toxic <laughs> anyway. Like, they're not going to put Brian on the two-on-one date, it seems like. So just the fact that they were selected is sort of— I think telling. The, the fact that you're selected is definitely a bad sign. But I did have hope for Kenny. Like, yeah. I thought oh. he was going to be able to rebound and, like, you know, be the exception that proves the rule. But it just Poor it Kenny. stayed – it stuck to the statistics, you know. Like, he yeah. was – he had an X on his back once that happened. Did so. he go home the next week? Yeah. yeah. He yeah. did. But it was it wasn't in a mature way. So. Yeah. yeah he Oh, he did have an excellent exit, actually. Yeah, it was kind of it was lovely. Yeah. Um, so what about, like, how did you count exits like Kenny's where it sort of seemed like he was sending himself home, but then she was like, you should leave? There are some like that where it's sort of mutual seeming, and I don't know how I would count that. This time, so again, we're still <clears throat> developing those st- stats for Rachel's season. Once we get those done, once Rachel's season is done, we're going to put this all on the Internet so anybody can do whatever <laughs> they want with our huge Bachelor of story. Um, we have really just – again, the Wikias and, and the Wikipedia entries – we went to the producer, to, to, to the people who promote the show, to the people who run the show at ABC, and we were just like, hey, we want to do this great story. What kind of data set do we need to do? Do we need to go through all this? And we're like, actually, Wikipedia is pretty solid when it comes to this. So we, Bachelor Nation is yep, uh, Bachelor very Nation on live. point. <laughs> like, I have done stories using uh, resources like this about comic books, about Star Wars, about the nerdy stuff you can imagine. It's assiduously well cataloged, the Bachelor fandom. <laughs> like, even amongst, like, I can, I'm a connoisseur of assiduously well documented fandoms. This is an assiduously well documented fandom. Um, so, we really kind of defer a lot to, to what they say again, wisdom of the crowds, all that. That's an elimination on a date, is I believe where people have kind of landed. Okay. Um, again, you can kind of like say who's at fault, you know, say no fault. Divorce, that kind of thing, but it's a uh, elimination on a date is, I believe, where we're going to land on that. Okay. Just because he w- he didn't really quit and he was not fired by production, but yeah. uh, True. the one percent fired by production. Who, who was fired by production? They didn't fire Chad. Who who's wasn't been the fired? One, there, wasn't wasn't there, there one that like hooked up with a producer mm-hmm. or right. something? It totally happened. Somebody yeah. got hammered on day one last year or something. Oh, was that person fired? Yeah, by that guy. Production? That, yeah. yeah. I thought he was just axe. <laughs> I guess it, it counts the same either way for us yeah. as viewers. Again, we're, we are really deferring to the wisdom of the crowd. We try not to make a determination in those case, kind of cases where it's an edge case. But uh, in that case, now Kenny was uh, that was a nice, lovely date that they had, and then, and then it was over. Yep. Yeah. Um, oh, farewell. What, what What do you think? Uh, like 
as viewers of the show, I think there are a lot of truisms about what certain things mean. And, like, you hear the guys talking about this on the show sometimes. They're like, oh, this is really important that he's getting this date. Um, What kind of misperceptions do you think we have about what things are really significant or that we don't notice that actually are very significant? I think that, um, as we've already discussed, basically, is, like, anything after week four Mm -hmm. is not – you know, like, the the conversations they have could be important. The drama could be real. But, like, the choices of the dates and, like, who gets roses when has, like, been determined long before, you know? Like, you're seeing the love story, but you're not – she's not making, like, when she goes and talks to Chris Harrison, and he's like, what are you going to do? <laughs> you mean I'm here for you, Rachel. not really earth-shattering for her? <laughs> I'm, I'm so confused. I think that, I mean, there could be exceptions for sure. I'm not in Rachel's head. But I think that the main thing that I learned is that in those moments, um, she knows, we all, everybody knows what's going to happen like long before. Right. So they yeah. might be using that time to affirm what they initially thought, but usually it sticks to that kind of initial yeah, impression. Yeah, I think so. I think like, so. Whenever you see the guys fretting over, like, oh, I need to get the state rose uh, on a group date, like, that is actually, that kind of does pan out. We, we looked at the different, basically, uh, how long you can expect to last after an episode if you get a date rose and if you don't get a date rose. And, and you can really get an extra two weeks out of, like, it, it, just a group date rose, right? Wow. Like, you can really buy time very seriously. And, like, you have, you can get more safe. It's a better headspace to be in. When you get a date rose versus when you don't, it, it really does seem to make a slight difference probabilistically. The other thing that um, I, when I was watching it, I was like, oh, this is pointless. Why are they even talking about this? Because it was Matt and Adam talking about it. I'm just like, hey, I wonder who's going to get eliminated on this one-on-one date that they have. <laughs> um, but the reality is is that one-on-one dates are super-duper safe <clears throat> early on in this season. Um, but when you're the week before the Final Four or you're two weeks before the Final Four, they have basically like one out of every five one-on-one dates ends in a go-home. Yeah, like a will situation. Yeah, right. So, like, uh, it, it kind of felt silly in retrospect to see those two of all people speculating <laughs> over who was like. I bet she gets rid of Brian. Yeah, like no. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but those kind of speculations, I know that they're being like, okay, you guys are going to sit on the patio, all right? You're going to sit on the patio until we hear speculation about Peter getting thrown off the show. <laughs> like, uh, but it actually like it does. That's a valid concern that a lot of these folks should have. And what I mean, what is what do we know about guys like Matt and Adam who make it really far without getting that Spring much FaceTime? <laughs> yeah, I mean, not, they didn't get any one-on-one dates. Like, did they ever have a show? Yeah, is that common? Like the the number five and six person? Is there like? Did you find any? Well, anything about that spot? Matt and Adam, you remember how we were talking about, like, dates equivalents earlier? Like, mm-hmm. again, we gave them a third of a point for, for three-on-one, one point for— They had fewer than one point each. Like, they, yeah. they didn't even wow. get, like— All the group dates that they went on didn't even add up to a date, you know? I so, think that Matt and Adam are not common situations. And I think that it ties back to what Rachel was— ta- I mean, not Rachel, oh, my God. What Walt was talking about earlier. <laughs> oh, my God, I'm so glad. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> a really um, big compliment. I'm a smart lawyer from Dallas. <laughs> Rachel's really savvy and also, like, makes de- firm decisions when she's on dates. And so I think that they just, like, because they didn't go on a date, somehow ended up safer than vice versa, you know, because she's not, like, cutting a lot of people out at rose ceremonies. She's, like, taking them on dates and then sending them home. Yeah. 
So if you have those, like, hard conversations with your Freds and your Kennys and you send them home, then you have to have filler. You can't, like, (laughs) you know, you got to have bodies to get to those later weeks. So I really think we didn't look specifically at those numbered guys, but I think that this is kind of an anomaly. Again, the data is coming out soon, and this season will be an essential data point in that, uh, again, those folks who make it, like, that's got to be the toughest, you know, like because even if you're not in like the final four is my understanding is that's what you need to get to get your own season of this television program. Is that right? Like Typically. pretty much they've had Juan Pablo made it to final six. But that was I think a that, poor choice. Yeah, yeah, I think production views it uh, as an error, even a though personally <laughs> as a viewer, I honestly preferred watching a season where all the women just like openly hated the lead. Yeah. <laughs> it was but, really entertaining, but like in I, terms of the whole finding love narrative, like, no. not the best. That's very hard. Yeah, but like I guess usually the final four is when you get a yes. like you get a a guaranteed package for each contestant that remains. So that right. really, you almost like, always get kind of your trial at the mental all where you get like the intense one on one with Chris Harrison and, and it always feels a little bit like you're like those people's audition. Yeah. yeah. So um we we also wanted uh to ask, you know, and you see this in the data that you pulled up, that bachelorettes have a much higher rate of success in terms of their relationships yeah. lasting. Um, why do you guys think that is? Did you find any, like, differences between how the seasons progress for bachelors versus bachelorettes, or is it just that women are better? I <laughs> mean, yeah. I, just, I feel safe saying that. <laughs> um, I also always wondered if it was, like, partially to do with the greater lag time that exists for bachelors after when they have to keep it a secret. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've thought about. If, you, if you look at, the, like, the l- most recent seven Bachelorettes, right, the person who had the most date time with this, uh, with the Bachelorette, went on to win. Andy and Josh is the only year, I believe, that, that it does not actually happen that way. Um, and that so- worked out well. Worked out with Nick. So it's um, – it, 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 Potentially they have a better eye. Potentially they're just more upfront about what they're interested in. And it's uh, not that it's more predictable by any stretch, but I mean, it felt like this year, like you really had a sense of who she admired, who she liked hanging out with. And there were absolutely a ton of surprises, but like you really get a sense with the Bachelorettes that, that they kind of know what they like and they know what they're going after. And they're really like, uh, my understanding is that the phrase the right reasons is a loaded term in this fandom. <laughs> but uh, it really just kind of seems like, again, look at the past seven years of, of Bachelors. And you're looking at, what, two are still together, I believe? Yeah, and one of them, like, just got engaged. So that's, I don't know if we can count that as a success yet. Yeah. Nick and Vanessa, right? Nick and Vanessa have been together for, like, six months. Yeah, I think they're still in that, like, yeah. we don't, we, we'll see. At that point, Ben and Lauren and Juan Pablo and Nikki were still together. So who yeah. knows what could happen. Yeah. <laughs> we believe in you guys, Nick and Vanessa. <laughs> I mean, I definitely agree that women are better, but also <laughs> that what Walt said is really true that um, I don't know if it could just be coincidence. It could just be like random chance, but the bachelorette seasons tend to have stronger front runners in terms mm-hmm. of screen mm-hmm. daytime, and the bachelor seasons tend to have more people like coming up from behind or like in closer competition with each other um, is what we found. So... So it seems like Take the that for what it is. Maybe come yeah. into this with just a better 
like knowing themselves and their desires a little bit more clearly. Yeah. Yeah. That could be the case. Although it's interesting, like you pointed out in the article that uh, Lauren on Ben season is an example of someone who like comes from behind in terms of the data. But when you watch the season, it seems she obvious. seems like a clear front runner, mm-hmm. you know? So it's interesting to look at the disconnect. Like watching the season, we were like, oh, it's definitely Lauren. But in, in, terms of like the dates and stuff like that she wasn't getting necessarily that yeah. extra attention and maybe that's why they broke up i don't know <laughs> probably yeah probably that's the, yeah, the whole that's the answer yeah, that makes sense um uh and Walt, i just want to check in with you like as a bachelor nation newbie totally new like what You're what has this experience <laughs> been like for you it's been a real treat uh so again i it, the closest that i can kind of compare it to is like Sundays during NFL season, right? Like, it, it is that entertaining. It is, uh, like, like, Twitter's, like, lit. I finally get half the stuff that's going on <laughs> on Mondays now. I'm really here for it. It's um, it's exciting. It's hilarious. I didn't realize how funny this show was. Uh, it, it's, like, got a lot of heart in it. And, like, you, like, obviously it's a dating competition. But as a person who really kind of left the reality show following scene, like, in the mid-2000s. Like, things have gotten, like, way more sophisticated. Like, these are fun shows to watch. These are are fun characters. Uh, Yeah, you have a waboom occasionally, but I was, like, you know, I thought the show was a ton of fun. I I really went into it with, like, low stakes, and I think that's one solid way to go into it, to be honest. But um, having seen the season, like, having seen, like, the product that they're putting together, having seen the people that they're recruiting to do it, like, no, this is a real fun show. It made a fan out of me. Yeah. So based on the data and also your well-honed um, observational skills, what are your guys' picks for the winner and the next Bachelor at this point? Mm. Well, I'm conflicted because, like I said, I have Brian going all the way that I picked a long time ago. <laughs> so I kind of want him to win, but I also think that, um, I don't know, I'm torn. I feel like I feel like she likes Peter the most. Yeah. But then there's Peter's feelings. But I think that <laughs> I think it's going to be Brian or Peter. Like you could flip flop them. They're for, either for gonna, either. Yeah, they're either going to one of those two is going to win, and one is going to go on to be the next Bachelor. Which makes me sad because I love Eric. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that Eric is uh, maybe the the guy left holding the bag kind of thing with this because I think there's a very strong chance that both that one of those guys gets the win, one of those guys gets the. Uh, the other win. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, again, I, I had Peter going uh, all the way from the outset just because that, like, the first date was really, really good. And clearly they had a very, very good first impression. Uh, recently, less sure of that. Um, so yeah. it kind of remains to be seen. I, I hope that Dean gets a good shake out of this, whether it's on uh, Bachelor in Paradise or whether it's on Winter Games or whatever. Uh, I have no idea what this franchise does outside of this. <laughs> this seems fascinating. But Winter yeah, Games, Winter games is new. So, yeah. and it seems like production announced it and now they're only just starting to figure out what that's going to look like apparently it is from what i've heard yeah. like yeah yeah, yeah. from what from what i've heard like the first season of these kind of of like paradise and and before that bachelor pad the production often has a loose outline but mostly sure. they just kind of produce it on the fly, and then I think seasons after that get a little more. Yeah, the first structured. season of Bachelor in Paradise was apparently very seat of the pants, and when you watch it back, there's a lot of like there are places to go where there aren't really cameras, except for like 
sort of like stationary cameras. So you're trying to listen to conversations that they filmed with, with just one <laughs> shitty camera. And like, it's all just very loose. And now it's like, we're getting through this. We're getting the conversations. We're getting three people engaged. And like, that's just going to be how it is. Neat. Yeah. It's yeah. A lot of Have fun. you guys thought about pulling some data from the Bachelor Pad, Bachelor Paradise? I stuff? would love to. It's just. There's not as much of it. Yeah. So yeah. It's harder, so maybe wait wait a know, few years. And this I show also, has like a legacy, right? Like, like they, we were able to get 33 seasons of this, which crazy. is like there's yeah. there's so few shows that have 33 seasons of this. And like it's does The Simpsons going. have 33 shows? Like it's insane. So that's a good question. Yeah. And it, I mean, there have been changes, but it's basically the same. 33 yeah. seasons of the same thing. So it makes it really easy to compare season to season and you know do this kind of work. The Simpsons are at 28. Season, so, apparently. so, just had to. I had to All find the out. All being done on like data visualizations of the Simpsons out there, and we're the first people to do the Bachelorette. Come on, just <laughs> so much more important when you think about it. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, thank yeah. you so much, guys. This was really fascinating, and I, we can't wait to see what the final data poll on this season will look like. Yeah, yeah. Thank this you. has been enlightening for us. Yeah, and so super fun, and I love nerding out over. This show. Yeah, so, so I know we live tweet a bunch of stuff that's going on, but really you, there are two pieces, probably three potentially by the time that folks start listening to this about uh, this season in particular and then all the stats that are coming out. So. And and where can our listeners find you guys on, on social, social media. media and then also um, your pieces? Um, Twitter, uh, Ella Winthrop, one word, which is my middle name. For <laughs> fun. It's not. It's just it's random. Up. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, and then 538.com, written out. Yeah, check it out. If you just search 538.com and Bachelorette, this is going to be what's come up. Like, uh, And I'm at Waltiki. Awesome. Yeah, follow these guys on Twitter. They're, we can attest that their uh, Monday night tweets are very entertaining and insightful. So yeah. Tuesday through Sunday, yeah. don't look at it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't bother with the rest. Yeah, just look yeah. at the rest of the week. Well, thanks so much, guys. This Thank was you really for having fun. Us. Thank you. This was a ton of fun. And that's it for Here to Make Friends. Thanks to our guests, Walt and Ella, and of course, our producer, Nick. And thanks to all of you for listening. We'll be back next week to talk about Mentel All. Until then. Bye. (laughs) I need to go back to bed. (laughs) 